Well, good morning, church. I don't actually get to see you this morning as we continue in lockdown and as we are live streaming again from an empty room. Um, but it's still good to gather however we can at, at this time. Um, it probably works out well that the lockdown has continued as we continue to have an empty room here. Uh, the pews have all been cleared out and we're still waiting for our, our new chairs that are sitting in a shipping container down in Melbourne and uh, hopefully they'll arrive once lockdown lifts. Uh, we really, uh, you know, and in all this, you know, as lockdown continues, really we have to say it's probably a good timing for the Olympics, isn't it, to uh, have all the extra things of our lives uh, removed so that we are freer to watch our, our country and others as they compete in, in these games. Uh, today, you know, I think it's right that we thank the team who have continued to give up their, their time for us today, uh, thinking of Doug and of Phil working the, the tech aspects, and then we've been led this morning by Alan and Nate and Sahara. And so just continue to thank these guys who continue to make uh, what we're doing here even possible. If you're wondering too, you know, as you watch the stream, if we're starting uh, a bit late or something, I, I do have to say we are running off the church clock, which I actually think is a few minutes late. So that's, that's the reason for that. One week though, we'll suddenly set it right and we'll start on, on 10. And so make sure you keep on tuning in from, from that time. Uh, just to say that there's no evening service again tonight. Um, it's probably expected, but just to be clear on that and we anticipate uh, being able to resume that in the near future as well. Um, if you want to stay in touch with what's going on for us, uh, use, uh, make use of the newsletter that gets emailed out every week. And if you're not receiving that, just let us know. You can contact the office uh, and we'll add you onto that list also, to make use of the prayer at wdbc.com.au email. If there's, a, if there's a need or a situation in your life uh, that you would like others to join with you in prayer for, uh, that's the way to do that. The thing is, we're not going to magically know that you um, have a need or, or such, and so make use of, of that. Um, also, too, uh, through our website, you can find the the details of how you give your offering as we continue to meet in this kind of remote way. More generally, I just want to say, as we continue in lockdown, just look out for each other. You know, send a text to someone, make, make a phone call, plan to go, uh, assuming the weather permits it, plan to go for a walk uh, together with someone and just stay in touch with people. This is a really isolating kind of time, a challenging time, and so anything that we can do you know, more broadly um, throughout the church to come alongside and support others through this uh, would be great. I was reminded of this particularly this morning uh, as I read in my, um, my readings from Psalm 25. This is the English Standard Version. Psalm 25 verse 16 says to God, it's a cry to him to say, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. And that just resonated to me about the experience of, of lockdown for many people, the, the loneliness, the isolation that comes, the, the feeling of affliction too when, when just everything is, a, is against them, uh, unable to work, unable to get out of the house, unable to you know, do all these kind of normal things. I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. You know, in this time of stress and pressure, even just normal things just... Uh, become bigger and harder to deal with, more overwhelming. 
And so the cry then is to bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Let's turn to our God now uh, with such a prayer uh, at this time. God, we do ask in this time of ongoing lockdown that you would turn to us and be gracious to us in our isolation, in our affliction, in our distress and in our difficulty. Uh, God, we pray that you would consider the trouble that we experience and that you would uh, work and move and act to sustain us and uphold us. God, I pray that as your people that we would be active in, in reaching out to others in whatever way that we might be able to. We may not be able to go to their house and see them and visit in the way that we might normally do so, but still there are ways in which we can care and come alongside others. In the midst of all of this too, God, we continue to pray for our governments and, and the decisions that they make. They are, God, trying to balance a whole range of factors and, and to do so in a way that um, addresses and covers all of them. And so it is no easy task. And we pray then, God, for your, your wisdom, your leading for them. We pray for compassion for them. We pray for strength and courage and conviction when they need to make harder decisions than ones that they might like to make. And we pray, God, that you will see us through um, this time of COVID and, and of lockdown and, um, and that in the midst of it, too, that we will know your peace. God, we want to pray for teachers and students um, and, and then the families as home learning goes on. Uh, and the challenges of that. God, we want to pray for those who are isolated and alone, who the restrictions just um, emphasize those feelings all the more. God, we want to pray for those who are grieving and frustrated and angry about, about everything and about how it's all rolling out. And we want to pray too then in the midst of it all for our Christian witness in our love and care for others in the midst of it all. And we pray, God, even though there are things going on in our world that we may not understand, that we may not um, agree with, that, we, um, that are beyond us, we pray, God, that through it all, that there is a trust in you who does know what you're doing and that we'll look to you through it and be sustained and helped by our faith and trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So if you want to get your Bibles and get them open and ready there, that would be awesome. Some people, though, you know, they just stand out in a crowd, don't they? Uh, sometimes it's because of an outrageous color and pattern combination of what they're wearing. Sometimes, though, it's just because they are literally head and shoulders taller than the people around them. And, and, and you just can't miss them. They just stand out in their difference. But people can also stand out in a more subtle way. For instance, someone might be absolutely all the way into health and fitness. Uh, I think of a, a friend of Merrin's who she knows through theatre. Uh, as a kid, I understand that, that he was overweight. And so now there is not an inch of fat on him. And it shows it's evident in the food that he eats and that he doesn't. 
It's evident in the priority of time that he places on exercise and the discipline he, he has in that. It's evident even in, in just the way you know, he carries himself as he, as he walks and moves. It's far less obvious than an outlandish outfit, but still he stands out. And he leads a distinctively different kind of life to that of most of us. And so that's what we're going to talk about today as we come to First Thessalonians 4. We're not talking about outrageous fashion. We're not talking about eating well and exercising like a lot. But we're talking about the idea of living a distinctly different kind of life from the people around us. A life that stands out. See, this is the reality of being a Christian. At least if we're living it right. We live a different kind of life. We don't go out on Friday nights and get drunk. We don't swear on the job site, or at least we try not to. We don't sleep with whoever we want. We don't fudge our tax returns. We don't gossip. Instead, we do practice hospitality. We do show care and concern for our neighbours. We do express generosity. We do experience peace in the midst of the most troubling of circumstances. We do speak the truth and live with integrity. We live a different kind of life, one that stands out. And it's that standout, different kind of life that Paul wants to encourage in the Thessalonian Christians and in us today. And so, having been reassured by Timothy that the Thessalonians are continuing in their faith despite the opposition that they've received. And having prayed for them at the, end of chapter thir- uh, at the end of chapter 3, that they might be blameless and holy in the presence of God our Father, Paul then moves on to remind them of the way that they are to live. Let's look at it now in chapter 4. He says, As for other mat- matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Now notice here that that Paul recognizes that they are already living this way. What Paul offers to the Thessalonians here is not a rebuke or a correction you know, of something that they're doing wrong, which is what he often has to do in others of his letters. But here it is just a positive encouragement to keep on going, to do this more and more. The idea is for them to abound and to overflow in this kind of living. And if you read this in other translations, like the English Standard Version, for instance, the word translated live, you know, you we instructed you how to live in order to please God. It's actually translated as walk. Paul is reminded thing, reminding them of how he instructed them to walk. Have you ever noticed how you can see someone way off in the distance and, and you can't make out their features, but yet you know exactly who it is because of the way that they walk? It's distinctive, and so is our Christian walk to be. And Paul says it's to be increasingly so. And so as we walk, or as one commentator put it, as we make steady, if unspectacular, progress, but if we make steady and unspectacular progress towards becoming more and more like Jesus, 
And as the world around us walks or runs instead in the opposite direction, the reality is we will stand out. And so then Paul goes on to spell out two uh, specific areas of our walk, two specific areas where we are to stand out and be distinctive from those around us. And, and as you watch this at home, if you've got younger children watching with you, now is perhaps the time for them to go and have a fruit break or, or to find that toy in their room that they haven't played with for ages. Because, look, they can stay with you, but you just be aware that you might need to describe some terms and have some conversations with them that you did not plan on having today or, or just yet in their growth and development. So, uh, kids, this might be your, your moment to leave the room. Because you might remember then that Paul is writing this letter from the city of Corinth. Corinth was a city that was rife with sexual immorality of all kinds, to such a degree that a man in the church thought it was okay for him to sleep with his father's wife and that that would be fine. And so maybe that's the prompt. Maybe the environment that Paul is in is the prompt for Paul to address this first area of their walk with the Thessalonians. So let's read it from verse 3. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should, take it, uh, should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. In other words, that you should be increasingly holy, that you should be increasingly like Jesus. And one manifestation of that holiness is in your sexual ethic. There's no indication that this was a current problem for the Thessalonians, but Paul, writing from Corinth and, and perhaps more generally aware of the power and pull of sexuality, thought he'd give some specific attention to it. And the term here of sexual immorality involves any kind of sexual sin. Uh, which is any kind of sexual activity that is expressed outside of the proper bounds of marriage. So it would cover both adultery and fornication. It would address both hetero and homosexual activity. It would be about both prostitution and about sex between mutually consenting adults. It would be about any and all kinds of sexual acts. It's a blanket term that covers everything outside of God's design. And all of this is still true and current for us, and it would also be entirely appropriate and necessary for us to add something like pornography onto the list as well. So in this area of sexual immorality, God's will for us as his people is to avoid all these activities. God has created sex to take place within the lifelong commitment of the covenant of marriage. There, sex can be expressed for enjoyment and our good in a way that honors and glorified the one who made sex and who then gifted it to us. But anything outside of that 
is to be avoided. And that's increasingly hard in our culture. I'm sure it's hard in any culture, in fairness. But in our culture, as in Corinth from where Paul was writing, sexual experimentation and expression is normalized and even encouraged. And so Paul's instruction to avoid it means discipline and active choice on our part. And that discipline and active choice is both to, to negatively to, to avoid sexual immorality and positively it is to learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. We talked the other Sunday night about self-control. This is a, a fruit of the Spirit's uh, presence in our lives. And just as fruit doesn't appear on a tree, you know, it doesn't just pop magically there full-grown, so too we need to be cultivating the growth of this fruit in our lives. We need to learn to control our own body. And I want to say that this then is the wonder of the gospel right here. See, Christ came to die for our sins. This means that if we fail and fall in this area, his death is enough for our forgiveness. He's paid the price for it. And if we then confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So this is a, a glorious, liberating truth of the gospel. But the gospel doesn't stop there. See, Christ died for our sins, yes, but he also rose again for our life. In doing so, he sent his spirit to come and dwell in us, to give us both the desire and the ability to live according to his will. We don't just have to, you know, kind of white-knuckle it out in our own strength, but we have his life bearing fruit within us. And this is a glorious, empowering truth of the gospel. And so may we know both aspects of the gospel in our lives, both his grace to forgive because we need that and also his grace to transform because we need that as well. And here's the thing then as we live in such a way. Walking our lives in such a way as Paul has described, he will stand out. It's to live in stark contrast to the passionate lust of the pagans who do not know God. Now, we have those same lusts and desires, but rather than surrendering to them and rather than ultimately becoming their slave as they gain mastery over us, instead we surrender to a higher and better master, to a master who is out for our good. Paul then goes on to address that there are consequences if we fail to walk in such a way. For one, he says that we take advantage of someone else. We take from others, we rob of others what is their due. Therefore, we need to not just be thinking about our own sexual faithfulness, but also about safeguarding and protecting that of other people to not take advantage of them and rob them in such a way. Secondly, Paul says that Jesus will punish all those who commit such sins. The ESV says that the Lord is an avenger in all these things. In other words, he stands on the side of the one who has been wronged. The argument, you know, it's not hurting anyone. That's actually invalid because if that were true, why would God need to avenge? 
See, just because we are Christian and are forgiven does not mean that we can act with impunity and do as we please. God is just, and He then calls His people to live a holy life. And so a third consequence is that disobedience to this instruction, failing to avoid sexual immorality and learning to control our bodies, disobedience to this instruction is not just a rejection of Paul who's writing this letter, but a rejection of God himself. Now, what kind of Christian would want to willfully reject the God who has saved them? To, to set aside his commands as if they mean nothing to us. After all, we have his Holy Spirit living within us. And so for us to act in such a way would be contrary to our fundamental nature in Christ. So let's stand out for the right reasons. Let's stand out not because we name ourselves a follower of Christ and then act contrary to his will in sinful disobedience. But let's stand out because we live an attractive holiness, a holiness like Jesus', one that honors God, that honors other people, and that honors ourselves. As we hold to a different sexual ethic that actually elevates sex rather than demeans it and degrade it. Let's stand out for the right reasons in this area. Now, if you have sent your kids off to another room, they are welcome to come back at this point as we move on in the text. Paul addresses a second aspect of our walk uh, to illustrate God's will for us in what he writes from verse 9. He says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Here's another way in which the Christian community stands out. In the, the love that they have for each other as a family, you see throughout this, Paul's referring to brothers and sisters. He talks about God's family and the love that they're showing to them throughout all Macedonia. They have experienced the love of Christ in their own lives and it's overflowed into their love for one another. And it's not just for each other within you know, their own church, within those people who they know, but to extend beyond that to other Christians in their region. And for this love to be evident in such a way, it's got a practical expression to it. And so again, here, Paul doesn't offer a rebuke or a correction, but instead an affirmation and an encouragement. And he calls them to love in this way more and more. And one expression of how this looks is in an ambition to lead a quiet life. Paul illustrates what this quiet life means in two ways. First, it means minding their own business. I mean, some people's lives are so full of noise and chatter as they gossip and buzz it around. I mean, they've got their nose in, in everything that's going on and they have an opinion about it which they're not shy to offer whether or not that opinion is invited. 
This is not then a quiet and a peaceable life. And so the instruction is that rather they are to mind their own business, to concentrate on keeping their own life in order rather than everyone else's life. And that leads to a second illustration of what the quiet life looks like, and that is of working with their hands. See, rather than taking advantage of the family love for one another that is experienced within the church, they are to be diligent and responsible to provide for themselves. Eugene Peterson, in the message, phrases it like this. He says, We want you living in a way that will command the respect of outsiders, not lying around sponging off friends. See, just as grace is not a reason to sin, so love is not a reason to be lazy. Instead, rather than depending on the support and care of others, they are to work with their own hands. And the result of all this then is that their daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Or as the ESV translates it, so that you may walk properly before outsiders. The result of all this is that their lives would stand out for the right reasons and will commend rather than discredit faith in Jesus. So the question as we come to a close from this passage this morning is how, how is your walk? Paul commends the Thessalonians for the holiness of their walk and he encourages them to abound in it more and more, to increase, to keep on growing in this area. So how are we living out and growing in our faith? Are we doing so in a way that stands out for the right reasons, that stands out in an attractive and compelling way that might draw people to Jesus? How is our walk in these areas specifically that Paul has identified? Are we avoiding sexual immorality? Are we controlling our bodies in honor and purity? Are we, are we expressing love to the family of believers? Do we consider other Christians within our midst, you know, brothers and sisters? Do, do we love them in such a way? Are we leading a quiet life, minding our own business and, and, and being productive and uh, responsible for ourselves in our own lives? Are we living our walk? Are we walking in such a way that we live a compelling and attractive life that might draw people to Jesus? Maybe an earlier question as you watch this today is have you actually truly put your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation and life? Because in having done so, he, he gives his spirit to us and he works in us to transform us increasingly into his likeness. And this is the basis of the Thessalonians' walk. They were expressing the reality of their life in Christ by how they lived. And Paul's concern for the Thessalonians was that they were continuing in this faith and having been reassured that they were to then abound in it. And so likewise, my concern today is that you are found with faith in Jesus and then live from that reality. Otherwise, the basis of your, of your work, the basis of your walk, is, is mere human efforts to live as a good person, which is commendable, but it's ultimately inadequate. 
as we will see next week, one day Jesus will come again. And no matter how well you live now, if you don't have faith in Jesus, it will not go well for you then. So I'd invite you to come to Jesus today, to trust in Him and to receive His life and to know His holiness bearing fruit in your life. And if you've already done so and would already call yourself a Christian, maybe you recognize that your walk is much more stumbling and tripping than much forward progress. If God's will for you is holiness, you recognize that you're more often than not going actually in the other direction. Or maybe it's not as bad as that. But you know that you have fallen flat on your face, that you have sinned in some way, and you're just not sure if you can ever get up again from that. And so I'd invite you to come to Jesus today, to experience afresh His grace and His forgiveness, knowing that nothing is beyond the reach of what He has done for us on the cross, and to then have Him come and lift you up again, and to turn you in the right direction, and to then continue walking alongside you as you live out your life of becoming more and more like Him. Or then today, if you are like the Thessalonians, and there's no word of correction or rebuke to you in today's message, but just one of encouragement, then I'd invite you too to come to Jesus today, to experience more of his life in yours, to have him walk with you in making your walk more like his. And may we all stand out in the right way as we live this distinctive Christ-like life as we follow him together. So let's pray to that end. So Lord Jesus, we come to you now. We come to you having heard your word to us that speaks of what it is that you desire for us. Your will is our holiness. That we would be more and more like you in how we live. And so, Jesus, we ask for your help to do that. Jesus, for those who have heard this message this morning and who don't have their faith and trust in you and who recognize then today their need for it, we pray to you and we ask for you to forgive our sins through what you have done for us on the cross, dying on our behalf, taking our sin. We ask then that you would send your spirit into our lives to change us, to transform us, to make us like you. May our faith and our trust be in you for salvation, God, and for life. For those of us, Jesus, who do follow you, and yet in the areas that we have talked about today have stumbled and fallen, who fail and who are standing out for the wrong reasons then. Jesus, with those we pray, thanking you for your ongoing love and grace, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love for us. We ask then that you would come alongside us 
to lift us up again. May we know the reality of your washing of our uncleanness, the washing away of our sin. May we know your empowering spirit to to be constantly changing us to make us more and more like you. May we not um, feel like we've got to get our lives right first before we can come back to you, but may we just receive your liberating grace that would come even now. And for us, God, who then are walking in what you would call us to do, God, we just give you thanks. And we pray for your ongoing enabling. May our walk abound more and more in the likeness of Jesus. And as it does so, may it be something that stands out in a way that would invite others to seek you for themselves. In all these ways, Jesus, we want to express our faith and our trust in you. And we want to... um, Walk in your ways. We pray it in your name. Amen.